Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Redemption Tempe, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is Greg Lindsay. I'm one of the pastors here. I oversee operations and communications, and I've kind of been with you guys listening here through most of the podcasts so far in our Exile series, and it's been a lot of fun. Today, I am joined by AC and Liz. Hey, hey. So would you guys uh, tell me a little bit more about, about yourselves, what you do here, what you do outside of here? AC, you want to start? I'm a pastoral resident. I've been going to Redemption Tempe for a few years now. Um, I've done different things from like working with the True Story Project, which we had a couple years ago, to working with Surge Tables and also with the podcast. And Liz, how about you? Tell us more about yourself. Yeah, I've been here in the Redemption Tempe community for about three years and uh, have the opportunity to serve on our service Sunday teams, doing ushering, prayer. And then also outside of that, I am a ministry resident here with the church and uh, also work for an organization called Young Life that you guys are going to hear a little bit about in a second. Yes, you are. So to recap, we're doing uh, this this weekly podcast. We're following our sermon series right now on exiles. And today we're talking about Daniel 4. So in Daniel 4, what we see is King Nebuchadnezzar has his second dream. Um, and it's this this long drawn out dream where he sees a tree and there's all this, this life that's sustained by it. And then God sends a, a holy host to cut it down to its roots. Um, and Daniel interprets that dream. And basically what we see is that Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar that in his pride and power, he has all this kingdom, this huge, vast kingdom that God has given him to steward, and he's not stewarding that well. Instead, he's setting himself up essentially as a god. And so Daniel's telling him in this dream, God is telling you, like, you're going to be cut down and you're going to be made like a beast. And, and that's what we see. We see him become like a beast uh, of the field and and his hair grows long and, and all of this crazy stuff. So in terms of how we're going to talk about that today, AC just had that same dream. And so we're going to, no, I'm just kidding. We're not actually going <laughs> to, we didn't have that dream, but how do we apply that? Or what are the implications of that today? I think as we were talking, you know, in prep for this podcast today, we see the pride of King Nebuchadnezzar. And something that we keep talking about here in our weekly podcast is we see these cultural idols and pride is rampant in our cultural context today. And I think the gospel truth that replaces that is humility. And so the implication that I really wanted us to focus on today is the humility that can come with powerful Christ-centered community, biblical community. Uh, and that's why, Liz, we, we wanted to invite you on one of hopefully many times that will get you onto the podcast as well. But specifically today, uh, I was interested in in talking with you a little bit more about Young Lives and, and some of the work that comes with that, because I think we see a lot of easy analogies here where pride is can really be at play for the community that you work with, potentially because of messages that they get outside of your community. And then I think we see a lot of really powerful Christ-centered community that really goes both ways, where where all sides are growing, staff and uh, the people involved. So before we really get into that, would you tell us a little bit more about the work that you do with Young Lives? Tell us, you know, the population that you serve and, and what kind of stuff that you guys do in the midst of that ministry. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. I think that uh, first we should start with what Young Life is. And so Young Life is an adolescent ministry where we hope to introduce kids to the story of Jesus and who he is. And within that context, they saw a need of there's this population of 
teen moms, young moms who uh, they don't actually fit in with this culture of young life. So what can we do for them? And the hope of what we do is we're reaching strategically teen parents here in our city in Tempe and Awatuki, parts of Mesa and Chandler. And our hope is not just to share the gospel with them, but also our lives as well. And that's a verse that comes out of 1 Thessalonians and uh, meeting kids where they're at, going to their school, going to the places they work and play and finding them and inviting them into a place of belonging and sharing the hope of Christ with them. That's awesome. How did you get into that? I actually was here at church, and several people have heard this story, but I never get tired of telling it. It was during our community time, and we were meeting, greeting, and this woman named Ginger sitting in front of me turned around and shared with me that the girl that she was sitting next to, it was her first time in church. And halfway through the service, she stood up and went and picked up her kid from childcare, and they looked the same. And I was like, this kid must be this young teen's child. And afterwards, uh, got invited to participate in the Young Lives group that's out in Gilbert and served with them for a few months. And then I went to a camping, summer camp experience with them. And uh, we just continued to see the need here in Tempe and got asked to pray through uh, being a part of starting and developing what that could look like here in our city. And now almost three years later, here we are. That's great. It's a really powerful ministry, and if you've been attending Redemption Tempe for a while, you may have heard, um, or you might know personally, Liz. Uh, it's always been a really inspiring ministry to me. My wife and I did ministry at ASU for a while, and one, it's hard. Um, it's really hard to do, and yeah. I think knowing you and seeing how you do your ministry, God has really uniquely gifted you mm-hmm. and the other staff members that you have. Um, I know it's not just an individual uh, effort there, but... Um, yeah, I'm just really thankful for you and your team and and the work that you guys do with that community. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, I think it's important to note that, you know, I was working full time and this wouldn't have been what it was if a group of people didn't link arms together, speaking of powerful community and say, hey, we see this need and we want to step into it and it's going to be messy and hard and um, we want to you know, communicate to these kids that they do have a place of belonging and safety here. So uh, it's definitely been shout out to all the mentors because they are really the ones that, you know, put their hearts and uh, soul into this. So it's been good. Yeah, that's good. So we were, again, prepping for this episode. We were talking through and even you, Liz, we were, you were kind of like, okay, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And then we're going to talk about young lives. Like where, where's the link there? So let's, let's kind of build that foundation into, before we jump into some of the implications and even some of your stories. Because I think that that's really important. Um, the bridge is there, listener, trust me, just follow along with us here. So we're talking about how King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and it's really God calling out his pride, his lack of humility. Um, and I think what we can see in his dream and even the way he rules is one of the most extreme versions of individualism. And so he he basically thinks of himself so highly that he literally thinks he's a god. Like, right, we see he wants people to worship a statue of him mm-hmm. and um, and he wants people to refer to him as, as a god. And so I don't think overtly we see that in our society. Like I'm in mainstream, I don't see anyone saying, hey, get down on your knees and worship me as a god. But it comes pretty darn close in certain spheres of life, I think. And I think that it's just changed. It's molded um, in, in our, our cultural context today. And so I think one of the things that, that I thought of here is, man, if King Nebuchadnezzar would have had some humility to 
put himself into a powerful community, kind of this idea that we're talking about, where you open yourself up to getting feedback from others that you trust, that you allow yourself to trust, that you um, allow into your life and then they allow you into theirs. I wonder if this could have looked different. Obviously, it's a totally different power structure at play here. But in the terms of our context today and even how we'll jump into how Young Lives applies to this, I think that there is a case for powerful community against what the mainstream says that calls us to be powerful enough in ourselves. I think the gospel really calls us to to be in the context, to live in the context of community with one another and not to do this alone. But then we see all kinds of advertisements that call us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or you got this, you don't need anyone else. When really, I think the Bible says you do mm-hmm. um, and that we were made to be. We even have, we serve a God who is in infinite and always in community. So um, kind of taking that idea, I wanted to start by talking about these these parents and what are sort of messages that call them to be to live into this this lie of individualism what are they up against when they're coming to you guys within young lives yeah we definitely do see the you know i'm a mom now i got this i got myself here and the beautiful thing is you see that start to change within the context of community. Uh, that independent spirit is almost immediately broken because they realize, oh, yeah, like I do need help um, and I don't have it all figured out. And I think that that's at the core, right, in, in an adolescent brain, they're asking questions of who am I and uh, where do I belong and I mean, I'm still asking (laughs) (laughs) those questions too. And so uh, they come in um, thinking that they have that figured out because there's a social identity bucket that they've been able to jump into of, okay, now I'm a teen mom, right? Even you see TV shows that are celebrating um, that. And something that we're really careful to do in Young Life, in Young Life specifically, is actually we want to celebrate their uh, decision to choose life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, which is totally foreign to them. A a quick story I could get into was one of my first camping experiences. There was one mom who, uh, during what we call cabin time, we get eye to eye with each other and just start processing some of the stories that we're hearing about Jesus. And she's rocking in her daughter's car seat as she's crying. And she goes, Liz, I just don't get it. If Jesus is this good, why do they pick it in front of clinics and tell us to have our babies, and then when we do, where are they? Mm. I'm like, yeah, you're you're so right. Mm-hmm. Like we have to weep with you in that. And so I think even a, a lot of culture is telling them like, have your kid, and then see you later, because yeah. you chose life, and you're now okay. We did our job, and that sort of period into story, kind of yeah, for sure. Story ends, yeah. And so I hate to say it, but I think that we've also spoken some of that um, as a community of believers. Um, and so we get the beautiful opportunity to ask God for grace to fall on that storyline and to help rewrite that and actually celebrate the life, and then now say, "Hey, we're in it with you." And um, you see that that demeanor and that posture shift in the context of community because they show up to an event and they see 30 other moms that are just like them Mm. trying to go to school, trying to work a job, coming from similar homes and backgrounds. And they go, oh yeah, like I'm not alone right now, you know? Mm. And so it's powerful when you see an association that, you know, there's people just like you. Mm. Good. So going off of that, Liz, what what are some other stories of how you've seen this powerful community 
play out in the context of young lives? I think it's twofold, right? As the teens come in, there's a humility posture of them saying, okay, I really need people around me right now. But also you definitely see it too as a group of volunteer leaders and mentors as we come in. Um, One of my favorite stories is uh, she actually goes to our church, by the way, and is a mom and has uh, two daughters. And she's talked to me about, man, Liz, I had no clue this is what I was getting myself into. Like I thought I came in, I'm a mom, I know how to parent. And I'm totally wrecked by these stories. Hmm. And you see this helping savior complex mindset have to totally shift and get thrown out the window because there's a surrendering of we have no clue what it's like to be in their shoes. Hmm. And we have to rely on the Lord to show up every day in this ministry. Um, And I think that's a part of the call as to why I even got involved was uh, as a single, um, not a mom yet, how can I actually really speak into these this population of kids and make a difference and an impact in their life? And God's like, yeah, is it actually going to be you? No. It's I want to make an impact in their life and do something and I want to use you as a vessel. So are you going to surrender and boast in your weaknesses and let my strength be uh, what comes through? And so And so I feel like as a group of mentors, we've been humbled. And the beauty of community in that is I have prayed more Mm. together with this community of leaders than I have, I think, with any other group of people. And I think that's the power of humility is going before a powerful God and saying, hey, we have no clue. Mm. And you got to go on our behalf. And we don't have vision for this, but we know you do. And we don't have answers for this, but we know you do. And we know that you're the God that holds all things together. And so something that I love about in this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has is the stump, it remains and the roots remain and everything is cut off. And there's a return to the simplicity that you see. And I think for us as a team, we have to go back to the root and back to the simplicity of God, you just got to show up Hmm. and we can't build unless we're rooted and established in love, you know? Yeah, that makes me think of, uh, you know, the passage that God is love. And when we talk about being created in the image of God, you know, God is three in one. And a lot of times we don't want to talk about the Trinity, you know, because we feel like, oh, I don't know how to explain it to somebody who doesn't believe it. But when we talk about the Trinity and God being three in one, God being love and God being community, being created in his image, we're meant to live in community. And when we exalt the individual as the center of human life, like it distorts that image of God. But the gospel through community can transform us and restore us into the image of God. Can you talk about how have you seen that type of transformation take place in both the lives of the leaders and also of these teen moms? Yeah, that's good. One of our moms, when we first met her, she was pregnant, still in high school, frequently made trips to in-school suspension, just totally rough around the edges kind of chick. And We've been journeying with her now for three years. She was also deemed actually McKinney-Vinto by the state, which is uh, she was deemed homeless, Hmm. a homeless teen, but not necessarily the state wasn't going to take on the liability of putting her through the foster care system because she was about to be 18. So instead, they just allowed her to get her food stamps early and get free transportation and all those things. And Mm. she would get a monthly stipend for housing. So she was living like in and out of motels and parents just totally absent. And 
to set that up, you know, as she started coming and showing up and being pursued by her mentor and having three meals a day someday, which was her highlight of camp was the fact that you get three meals a day. Wow. For me, my highlight would be the fact I get a zip line or rock climb. You know, like <laughs> yeah. their their highlight is, guys, you got to go to camp. You're getting three meals a day. And there's this softening that you start seeing because of the power of community surrounding her and saying, hey, you're not alone. And we now actually see you. And we might, you might not ever have a phone number, but we'll, we'll Snapchat you and Instagram you and Facebook you because we want to be able to meet you exactly where you're at in the places that you live. And she ended up giving her life to Jesus and uh, has been regularly actually attending our church and got baptized. And the beautiful thing about this story is the other day I was meeting with one of our other moms and asking her, you know, she had just also given her life to the Lord and we've been discipling her. And I asked her, if, hey, do you want to get baptized? Like, and explained the reason why. She's like, I don't know yet. I was like, okay, why? Like, what's stopping you? She's like, well, I just don't think I want to be all in when I get baptized. I'm like, Hey, that's, that's really why she's like, I want to be like, and she named Mm. the other mom that had gone before her. She didn't name another mentor. She named the other mom. And that, and that to me is the beautiful thing is that we're now being three years in, we're seeing these kids whose lives have been completely transformed. They're finishing high school, they're getting jobs, they're pursuing college, they're parenting so well and full of grace. Mm. And it's not the mentors that are actually the ones that the kids are looking up to. It's the ones that are like them that have gone before. And so my role is, okay, how do I step out of the way to let these moms start actually taking on junior leadership type positions Mm -hmm. so they become the leaders of young lives here in Tempe and start impacting the generations to come. And so in humility, we've seen, and in the context of community, we've seen complete transformations. In some days, to be real, guys, like, I'm like, do we actually see any transformation, right? And and it's worth the one, you know? For sure. And I think that's, I think that's the heart of God too, I think God pursues us individually, but then returns us to community, right? You see that in how he, right, leaves the 99 to go mm-hmm. after the one. And so it's beautiful that in a spirit and culture that is pushing individualism, God's still pursuing us and right there in it with us, but wants us to return to a heart posture of community. That's awesome. Y'all got like a Hebrews 12 Hall of Faith thing going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's that's actually a good segue to one of my next questions. I think um, I think I'll say in the big C church, not necessarily Redemption Tempe, maybe, um, but I think us as believers, we can often think of this word mission or ministry, and we, th- if we're honest, we think of it as a one a one way thing. I, we think of it as like. I'm going to go there and help these people, or I'm going to do this thing where I am outputting. But the reality of any sort of ministry or mission work or, or anything like that is it's very two-way. There is a lot that, um, that both sides learn from one another um, about their own faith and their own sort of spiritual journey and, and sanctification. So tell me a little bit about, I think you've kind of alluded to it. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of humility that has to come with being a staff member. One, what I heard was um, people, especially people who are already parents, thinking like, oh, I have a, I really have a lot to give. Like, I am a parent. I know how to do this. And then realizing like, wow, this is a totally different situation than what I'm used to. But then two, just the humility of, of understanding like, they don't have all the answers. They can't fix things on their own. None of us can. So tell tell me a little bit about 
um, maybe a story or some things that you've learned or seen, because what I'm trying to get to is like, we're talking about young lives, but we're talking about all of us. Like there are implications in even these stories that you're telling. There are people that'll listen to this podcast who will never get an opportunity to volunteer with young lives, but those same implications that you guys are learning as staff will apply to all of us as believers. So, so talk to me a little bit about that. I think one of my favorite stories that I have to tell is post-camp, I went grocery shopping with a few of the moms and we were in my tiny Toyota Corolla and there was five of us, three adults, two kids in car seats. And so the car seats will only fit on the two sides of the back seat. The mom was in the tiny center of my Corolla and we decided, let's go doorbell ditching. So we went to the first mentor's house to go ring on her doorbell and the mom in the back seat jumps over her kid, runs up to the door, knocks and doorbells, sprints back, tries to jump into the car over her kid, reaches over, slams the door closed, and we take off down the street and we're all just busting up laughing. And so because she's laughing, her son, who's not even two yet, is dying laughing as well. He has no clue. He can't even comprehend what's going on. And the mom reaches over and tickles his belly. And she goes, yeah, mama's still a kid too. Hmm. And it was one of my favorite snapshot moments so far of Young Lives. Because in that moment, I learned that we belong before we behave. Hmm. And her son knew he belonged and he knew his role to laugh and she got to be the kid that God has designed her to be in this mm. season again. And so one of my favorite parts of Young Lives and how I'm continuously being impacted is that God calls the kids mm. and he puts them on his lap and he says, yours is the kingdom. And so when we are experiencing that in Young Lives all the time and we're trying to create these moments for these teens to feel like kids again, mm. Uh, we, we were experiencing kingdom. And so that's one of my big takeaways all the time is let's just give them a space to be kids again. Outside of that, uh, I think also the messages of you're not alone, hmm. super powerful. The messages of, hey, yeah, there's, there's consequences to choices, hmm. but also God is continuing to try since the beginning of time to reconcile and redeem creation. Now the stories that we have, how are they now pushed forward and used for the kingdom of God? And we're seeing kids really grasp that and, um, and live into those narratives. And one of my most favorite stories was one of our moms came to church and she messaged a bunch of mentors afterwards. And she said, you know what my favorite part of my birthday week was worshiping God with all of you. Hmm. I mean, if you would have known her a year ago, <laughs> the thought of her even being in a church and worshiping God would have been non-existent. Mm. And so a big takeaway for me and for people who maybe never are going to ever be involved in young lives is let's like let people be kids and have that childlike faith because it's in that childlike faith posture that the power of God is really uh, reflected and shown in our lives. Mm. I think the other takeaway for me as a person on staff is, you know, when you get a new car and then you see your new car everywhere. And you're like, Not oh. personally, but I've heard. I've heard oh. stories about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and you're like, oh yeah, so many other people had this car. Yeah. I thought I was the only one that drove this. Um, I think there's an awareness piece that comes with the power of community. Mm. And as believers, as we ask the Holy Spirit to renew us and give us eyes to see our neighbors and the people around us, if you put yourself in a place of service and humility, you're going to start seeing 
it all over you mm. places to enter in and it might not be teen parents but i have eyes to see teen parents everywhere now mm. yeah at the library at the grocery store at the bus stops right like you just see them and you're like oh my gosh mm. but i would have never beforehand yeah. yeah recognized them and so i think only a posture of humility that's not thinking about yourself but mm. is thinking about okay god how can i enter into your story is going to be able to see that that's awesome yeah i think something that strikes me too is and you you alluded to this, but it's the idea of just asking for help. And and that doesn't just apply to teen parents, but we see that in so many different areas of of our own communities in, in our culture as a whole. There can be a stigma, there can be pressure to just ask for help, like asking people into your life. And so I think that's a thing that strikes me too uh, from from this ministry. It's it's so apparent that how God wants to work through community, but in order sometimes in order for us to like push into that community, we kind of just have to break down to ourselves and say like, Hey, I need help. Uh, and that can be a really hard thing for a lot of people. So that's, uh, that's really great. And I, I feel like you see that here at the end of Daniel four, when it says that, at the very end, verse 36, it says that greatness was added to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. And it was after he had praised God and been completely humbled. And what was the greatness that was added to him? It was added that he now had restored relationship with God in a heart that had shifted perspective. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't anything about who he was, but it was all about how he had lifted his eyes to God. And I love that it ends like that because as we shift our perspectives and take care of the oppressed and the widows and the orphans of our neighborhood or whatever context that looks like for you to love your neighbor. Mm. The greatness that is added to you is more intimacy with the father. Mm. That's greatness. Amen to that. So, so my question then is if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, man, that's great, but like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, I think of uh, Michael Goheen. He has this quote that says, today we are witnessing the rotten fruit of individualism, it's selfishness that is apathetic to human need. And so if I'm in that place where I'm not seeing my car everywhere, I'm not seeing teen moms at the store, I'm not seeing others, I'm totally absorbed in myself, what can I do to have eyes to see those who are around me? Totally. Well, I would say first, it's only through a posture of prayer that that begins to be transformed, is asking the Holy Spirit to give you that desire and to give you more. And then as you're reading and interpreting scripture, hopefully also in the context of community, right? Not on your own, that that desire is going to continue to grow and come alive. And then from there, there's going to be vision and direction that is restored because God has given everyone a set of gifts and talents and passions. Uh, Passions could change from season to season. And I always say, what has God put in your hands today? So look down. What has he put in your hands? And then just pursue that one thing with a posture of prayer in the context of community and reading scripture, and you'll see those things come alive. That's good. Amen to that, Liz. Uh, and with that, AC, Liz, as always, there's there's always so many more questions that I'd love to dive into, but this is supposed to be a 30, 35 sometimes 40 minute podcast. Uh, so we're going to need to wrap it up. Liz, thank you so much for taking the time out to come and share more about your work within Young Lives, but also just the ministry that you see 
not only to the teen parents that you guys work with, but the ministry to your and, and your staff's, the staff's hearts that God has been working and just sharing um, about the implications of that to our lives today, Liz. So thanks a lot for sharing that um, and spending time with us today. And AC, as always, it's been good co-piloting with you. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to come back again next week where we will continue on the the next entry to our Exile series. So we hope to uh, see you then. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe to this podcast and you'll get our sermons and any other podcasts that we're doing. Um, so you can kind of stay up to date on, on uh, what we're talking about in Exiles and, and different things that are going on around the church. So we appreciate you taking the time to listen. Um, and as always, if you have any questions or anything like that, you can shoot me an email at greglindsay at redemptionaz.com. So with that, this has been a podcast of Redemption Tempe, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Jesus.